You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. I always say to people with ADHD when I'm doing group coaching or individual coaching, there's, a, there's an experimentation phase and then there's a, a troubleshooting phase. So we're not just going to give you a, a thing and say, here's your new routine, congratulations, good luck, and leave you. Hello and welcome to the Women and ADHD podcast. I'm your host, Katie Weber. I'd like to read you the following review from a Canadian listener, V. Macko. It's entitled, I'm Not Alone. Thank you for this podcast. My story is identical to yours, except I'm 40. I'm trying to put the puzzle together now that I have the picture on the box, finally, so to speak, to help my oldest daughter who has an ASD diagnosis but is being treated for her hyperactivity. I want to give her the guidance I never got and save her from all the grief and bad decisions and tragedies that were the result of undiagnosed ADHD that has become my story. So grateful to you and your guests. Oh man, that last part really got to me. Yeah, I really deeply relate to that desire to give our kids the help we never got and try to save them from some of the grief and difficulties and suffering we went through, right? I mean, even with these interviews and this podcast, I so often say like, if I can help just one woman feel less alone or less stupid or lazy, then hopefully my own journey will have all been worth it. And thank you so much for leaving me a review. Reviews like these really are my nourishment and they keep me going. And they help me get this podcast noticed by more women who maybe have just been diagnosed or think they might have ADHD and really need to hear these stories and experiences. Or maybe they were diagnosed years ago and they still really need to hear these stories and know that they are not alone. And if you have ADHD or think you might have ADHD and you are someone who identifies as a woman or you were socialized as a woman and you're looking for support, resources, and a community of incredible kick-ass women like yourself, make sure to come join us in the Women and ADHD online community. Head over to womenandadhd.com after this episode, or you can find the link in the show notes. Okay, this is episode 62, in which I interview Skye Rapson. Skye lives in Auckland, New Zealand, where she is an ADHD coach and the founder of Unconventional Organization, a growing network of coaches who provide individual and group coaching for adults with ADHD or executive function challenges. Sky is also an academic with over seven years of experience working in adult education. She has studied in various fields, including psychology, sociology, and public health, and is currently a doctoral candidate in population health. Sky was diagnosed with ADHD at the start of her doctorate, and since then she has dedicated time to researching and disseminating ADHD studies, focusing on supporting others with strength-based, neurodiverse-friendly tools and systems. Sky and I talk all about navigating academia and graduate work with some of those executive functioning challenges around research and learning. And Sky describes what exactly ADHD coaching entails and how to know if A, you even need ADHD coaching, and B, how to know if it's working. On that note, enjoy! 
But I do like to start out asking kind of, uh, a little bit more about when you were diagnosed. I know you were diagnosed at the beginning of your doctorate, correct? Yeah, yeah. Very strange time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what were some of the signs that, you know, some of the pieces you put together to before your diagnosis and kind of walk me through how you how and when you were diagnosed? Yeah, so basically I I didn't know. I would consider myself to be one of those people who had ADHD and overcompensated as a result. You know, so I was like working a lot on the weekends, working a lot extra, just assuming this was kind of how it was. Um, and then what happened actually was I was struggling a lot with my editing and my grammar, um, just kind of trying to get that piece done. And because of that, I, and I knew, you know, my family had a bit of a history of dyslexia or they thought they did. So I thought, okay, well, I'll go to the inclusive learning center at the beginning of my doctorate and just see if I have dyslexia. That would be very helpful to know. And I did go and they tested me for everything. It was a big process. It took multiple days and they came out and they said, look, we don't, we can't conclusively say whether you have dyslexia, but we do know you definitely have ADHD. <laughs> and that's how I found out about anything to do with the idea that I might have ADHD. So it was, it was a real surprise being given that I literally just started my doctorate a month ago. Um, and I was just at the beginning stages of that to then have a diagnosis and have to work through that was kind of, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. I don't often hear about suspecting dyslexia at an older age. You know, usually dyslexia is one of the, one of the, um, accommodations that women will get as children. Uh, so was uh -huh. there any mention of, uh, dyslexia when you were a kid? No, I think, and I, I still don't know. I never got tested officially for dyslexia. I ended up just getting tested for ADHD. Um, but I think it was because I was, I was writing really fast and I was missing things. And so that, um, from what I, what I was told, um, by the person who did the testing, that was kind of what was coming up as potentially being dyslexia. It was more like just kind of missing the, you know, that's in the last 5%, last 10% with ADHD was kind of where it was coming through that my grandma was not totally up to scratch. And now, you know, I work with editors and that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. Yeah. Um, I was actually a copy editor for many years and it boggles my oh. mind to now to think about being a copy editor with ADHD. I mean, it doesn't surprise me, but you know, yeah. I miss words in my sentences all the time and I go over yeah. them. I'll, I will reread something five times and yeah. still on the sixth time, I'll still find a new error every time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you guys uh, are amazing. Copy editors. <laughs> I have such respect. <laughs> uh, so when, so when it was suggested to you that you had ADHD, were you like, that makes sense? Or were you like, I'm not hyperactive or what was your response when you first it was first presented I was like, to that you. makes sense. I was definitely that on the, that makes sense train. I just didn't really know, you know, about ADHD. I mean, I knew about it, but I'd always been taught about it. I had a background in psychology, sociology. And so I knew about it in terms of children and adult ADHD was something I had not had as much research into. And so when I, yeah, when I looked into it, I was like, Oh, great. I exist. I didn't realize, you know, so I watched all the videos and, and spent like the first, you know, month just hyper, you know, focusing on ADHD and everything I can. And yeah, it made a lot of sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and so with this new lens, when you look back at your life growing up, 
what are some of those moments in your past where you think, oh, the signs were there all along? Yeah, this is an interesting one. Honestly, I think it's because, so if you look at my um, history with, you know, because I'm obviously doing a doctorate now and, you know, it feels like, yep, that's a straight path. But in reality, it was like an undergraduate in psychology, a postgraduate in sociology, a postgraduate certificate in public health, and then going to population health. So I was very like, I'm going to be like what I was going to be when I grew up, sort of that concept. I was always learning different things and I'd get to the end of a degree or the end of a certificate. And I'd be like, it would be like, okay, cool. Now that you have this skill set, it's time to get a job in this area and really settle down and focus on one thing. And I'd be like, that sounds good, except for the part where I really want to learn sociology. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was kind of my like hopping backwards and forwards within the academic system, which now I'm so grateful for because as an entrepreneur, it's been really, really helpful to have that spectrum of understanding. But at the time it was a bit like, okay, <laughs> this is unusual. <laughs> Uh, yeah, tell me more about population health. What exactly is that specialty? So population health is kind of a generalized focus on health in populations, if that makes sense. So it's essentially looking at at um, people's health. It can be, um, it doesn't have to just be physical health. It can also be like mental health, social health, um, community standards, et cetera. And then just looking at them across a very broad spectrum. So looking at kind of the macro level as well as the individual, whereas psychology focuses more on the, um, the individual. Yeah. I definitely relate to this idea of being a chronic learner, you know, and it's funny because I, I, yeah, if I could just spend all, you know, the rest of my life, like if I could get paid for like taking new courses and taking new certifications, that would be my dream job. Because uh, it's really, I mean, it's all I do. I just hemorrhage money and learn new, take new courses. Yeah. But it's interesting. Um, I'm curious, like with this pandemic, I mean, it. do you feel like there has been a proliferation of ADHD diagnoses with everything that, I mean, we're going through such this mental health, mm -hmm. what do you want to call it? Like breakdown. I mean, you know, when you talk about like wide, the widespread trauma of the pandemic and lockdown, mm -hmm. do you feel like there's a connection there between um, COVID and the ADHD diagnoses, especially in women? Yeah, it's interesting. So what I hear a lot from the women that we coach, um, we coach men and women, but um, when especially the women come through and tell me that it's uh, something that happened, something happened in their lives that just meant that it was too much. You know, they could handle it when it was just a job or they could handle it when it was this and that. But then now they have kids or, and the pandemic is kind of an addition of that. You know, I had a system and it was okay. And, it, you know, it was a struggle, but I was doing it. And then the pandemic hit and that executive functioning struggle of, of how am I going to manage this in the pandemic? I'm struggling as it is just kind of was the reason that a lot of people said that they went and, and tried to figure out, okay, what is going on? If that makes sense. So I think it's providing that, that, um, that moment for people where they're like, I need to figure this out and I need to figure this out now. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've talked about that with a lot of guests and that was certainly my experience because I was diagnosed in 2020, which was like, mm -hmm. I, my life felt like a house of cards and mm -hmm. I was just keeping everything together. And then with lockdown, it was just 
too much and everything just blew off the table. <laughs> and I yeah. just felt like I am exactly. And again, yeah, like I feel like it, that experience has been quite common. Yeah. Um, and, and so it's been interesting to sort of see it from different age groups too. Like, uh, you know, for me, I first started, I have the, um, hormonal element of like perimenopause and trying to figure out how that fits into all of this as well. And so it's been interesting talking to people of different age groups who all have been recently diagnosed kind of what, what triggered it. Yeah. Like you said, I feel like we all kind of got to these points in our lives where we were holding it, just barely holding it together. I mean, I talk about that with my son, like with my kids about this idea of like, you know, when you're this cup and you can get jostled, if you are half full with water, it doesn't really matter. You can get jostled a bit and it's totally fine. But when the water is up to the very, very top, every time you get jostled, it overflows. And I'm I'm like, I use that analogy to talk about like how quickly I can go from zero to rage, you know, in moments Uh in like moments like this, where it just feels like all of us are at our capacity and have been yeah. for such a long period of time now that it's like, when is the dam going to break? <laughs> yeah. And that's such a great metaphor. And and I think that um, that is pretty much what's happening. I mean, I think even, you know, amongst people who identify as neurotypical, that's what we're seeing, you know, with mental health, you know, people are focusing on that as well. So I think a lot of people are getting to this point with COVID going, okay, I can't handle this. I need support. Whereas before they might've sort of managed to to handle it. I mean, one of the other times often where clients will come to us is is when they have kids as well. Um, So when they've had um, a couple of kids and, and, you know, they're like, okay, now, now I can't do it. (laughs) The executive functioning for me was okay, but the executive functioning for my family and then having that expectation that I'm going to be able to handle that amount of executive functioning it's just it's too much at this point oh I know right and and I think a lot of us used the uh relied on the outside world to help us like clean our homes and so that was like a big deal for me when nobody was coming over to my house anymore and I didn't have any help you know I had a really hard time motivating myself to keep Mm -hmm. the house clean because nobody was coming and I was like you know you realize how much that public persona of a clean house motivates so many of us and then like oh I can't get anything done yeah so interesting oh my goodness now how when did you decide to start unconventional organization because that was in 2020 right yeah so it was a bit of a slow start for me because I didn't really what essentially what happened was once I got diagnosed, because I've been doing this PhD for, for a number of years now, as you do. Um, and, um, and so when I first got diagnosed, I learned about it for myself and I, and I thought, oh, this is great. And then what happened was I have a tendency, and this is something that I, that I think is why I, I ended up in this coaching space, is I've worked in adult education for many years, about six years or so, you know, teaching and tutoring um, in different courses, statistics, psychology, like many, many different subjects, really loved working with adults. And part of that, you know, the PhD was, okay, I'm not going to do that anymore, but (laughs) I still really like to do it. So what I ended up doing was I was, I was running a thesis writing course um, with um, colleagues. And so I sort of went, Oh, I have ADHD. Um, And I spoke to the person at the inclusive learning center and said, do you have support for postgraduate students who are 
who also have neurodiversity. I really like to, to sort of run that. I had experience um, in various different areas. And so, and I wanted to know it as well. I wanted to talk to them and connect because I felt like there wasn't that connection. So, so I ran one of those for, for a while and, and met with people and learned more about other people's experiences of ADHD. And then from there, I actually um, had a friend who was a teacher who said, Oh, you should, you should do this at school. Like we really need this. So, so I started going and working in schools and sort of helping them with their ADHD students um, talking to them about strategies because obviously at the same time I was doing lots and lots of research and writing and academics so I can't help myself <laughs> and, and so um, and so at that point I was working in schools and then the pandemic hit and and then like obviously I couldn't do any of these things I couldn't go to university and I couldn't do anything I'm in New Zealand um, I have coaches in Australia and the US but in New Zealand we went to level four lockdown so it's just everything was not an option. <laughs> what that meant at the time was that, okay, that's it. I'm not doing anything, but, and this is where the ADHD comes in. You know, I really love doing this. I really loved connecting with people. And, and I sort of went back to the drawing board of like, well, what can I do to help? You know, and I sort of looked around and started writing online articles and researching them and having the research be in the articles and, and sort of doing, okay, well, I can work with individuals with um, ADHD adults. I have lots of experience working with ADHD with adults in general. And, um, and so, yeah, I started coaching from there and I haven't looked back. It's great. It's a perfect combination of everything. And um, it's been awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I, I had never really made that connection until the lockdown um, in terms of just how much I craved connection in terms of like one-on-one uh -huh. -on -one conversation yeah. until it was taken away from me. And that's basically why I started the podcast because yeah. I was like, <laughs> I'm lonely and I want to find out if there's other people out there who are having the same experience as me. And yeah, and, yeah. But it wasn't, I mean, now it's only through the podcast and all and and the feedback from people who are listening to these conversations. It's only through that that I realized how much of our own kind of management of our ADHD relies on connection and community and, uh -huh. and sharing our experiences and sharing uh -huh. and listening to shared experiences because just simply saying I have ADHD, like it's so difficult to articulate what that means, especially yeah. as adult women. Yeah. Uh, and so different from so many people's um, assumptions. And so yeah. it just like sorting through and parsing through all of the ways of these seemingly random elements in our life that all come back to this diagnosis is just it's profound. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I love working on the internet essentially, because I do get to do things like write articles and have them, you know, in academia, you write an article and it's written by eh, maybe a couple of people. <laughs> and, you know, and in this space, it's like, I can do research into things that people really want to know about, like, you know, rejection sensitivity, parenting with ADHD. I can find the research I can write it into an article with some strategies and then people, I get so much feedback and connection from that. It's just a real um, support for me as well as an ADHD academic to keep going and keep doing that research. Mm -hmm. When I was diagnosed with ADHD, it completely turned my world upside down. I looked back at so much of my life, my grades in school, my multiple careers and hobbies, my friendships, my marriage, motherhood, my relationship with food or my body, like all of this with a new lens. And it was overwhelming to say the least. 
If you've been diagnosed with ADHD and you're feeling blown away by this new insight into your brain and how it operates, I totally understand. I can help you begin to sort through this chaos, explore who you are and how your brain operates, so you can finally start to lean into your strengths and begin to use them to your advantage moving forward. Together, we can work to identify what obstacles you've been facing and create strategies to help you start living a more fulfilling, gratifying life. Head over to womeninadhd.com coaching to book a 30-minute initial consult with me so we can figure out if my brand of one-on-one -on -one coaching is right for you. Again, that's womeninadhd.com coaching, and you can find that link in the episode show notes. Any other parents out there who have struggled to instill good financial habits into their kids? I know I have. And that's why I'm so excited to tell you about the sponsor of today's episode, Go Henry by Acorns, the smart debit card and app for kids 6 through 18. With Go Henry, kids can learn about money, set spending and saving goals, and even track chores and earn allowance money right within the app. They learn the value of money by using their Go Henry debit cards, while we as parents can set spend limits and help guide their journey while staying informed every step of the way. It gives me so much peace of mind to know that I'm using a smart tool to proactively teach my kids about money and prepare them for future success. Set your kids up for success and get started today at gohenry.com slash women ADHD. Again, that's gohenry.com slash women ADHD. TNCs apply, renews from $4.99 per month unless canceled. Now you offer individual coaching and also group coaching, correct? Yeah. So we do. Um, yeah, we offer one-on-one -on -one coaching. I have um, two other coaches who also have ADHD themselves. And then we offer um, group coaching, which we're actually in the process of transferring into a do-it-yourself format. So I've done the videos for it and people will be able to um, actually go ahead and, and just um, click on and, and download the videos so that they can kind of do it in their own time zone because the group coaching was good, but coping with everyone's time zones was definitely interesting. Mm, yeah, I'm sure it was because yeah. yeah, you just, everything is entirely online. So it is available yes. to it's anyone in the world, me. right? Yeah. 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 We work with people from all over the world. And then in terms of coaching, I mean, I, I talk about this a lot with my guests because, you know, one of the biggest I guess like epiphanies I had with my own diagnosis was how important it is to bring in help. You know, like I think that we tend to have this default of like, oh, what is wrong with me? I'm a terrible person. And then we just kind of curl up in the fetal position. <laughs> and I mean, for it's been so important for me and for so many of the people I've interviewed you know, just to sort of change that narrative and be like, there's nothing wrong with me. I just have to figure out like, this isn't working for me. So I have to figure out what to, you know, what do I need to do that, um, mm -hmm. will make this work for me. Right. And so, um, what with ADHD coaching, I mean, I think it is so imperative, but it's also, I think really difficult for, I think it's especially difficult for somebody with ADHD to, ask for that help and to get, you know, to find the resources or the motivation to even get coaching in the first place. So I'm like, yeah. like it, it, let's talk about like, what even is ADHD coaching? Like, what are you, what are you getting to the heart of when you're coaching? That's a really, really good question. And I'm glad you asked that because for a lot of people, it is kind of this mystical curtain you go behind and you come out executive functioning <laughs> people don't really know what happens and then it can be very different you know so I can only speak for our organization and what we do 
So what we do is, um, first of all, I totally understand what you mean about how hard it is. It's one of the reasons why if you go on to our website, you can actually book immediately in your time zone for a 20-minute consultation. And then I sit with you if you want to book for another thing. So we don't do emails back and forth because that can be really hard to, to do. But what ADHD coaching is, is for us, it's essentially going, okay, who are you? So we go through a, through a sort of survey of going, okay, you're an adult with ADHD. You have a lot of systems already, but what areas are you particularly struggling with? So we'll go through about 25 different areas people tend to struggle with and say, okay, you're about a three or a four here and you're a five here. So we'll focus on those fives first. And we turn those into sort of smart goals, essentially. And that will become sort of your long-term goals that we're focusing on as we go through your coaching. So you have something that you know that you're sort of working on. So when people ask me, like, how do you know if it's working? It's like, well, if you wanted to work on morning routines, then hopefully in a month, your morning routines would be better and you'll be getting up. And that's how you know it's working. But then what we do is we go, everyone with ADHD is really different. So there's no one size fits all, but we'll tell you about the research behind it. So we might say, okay, you're struggling with your morning routine. Often this can have to do with dopamine. It can have to do with time blindness, working memory. Here's some of the research behind how people with ADHD struggle with these things specifically. Here's some ideas in general for what works for people with this particular issue. And then how is that going to fit with your life? And that's where we get into the real sort of nitty gritty of it all where I say, tell me what you do in the morning. Don't hold back. Tell me everything. Let's find those transitions. Let's add that dopamine that you need and then come back in a week or two and we can test it. So you can say, okay, this worked really amazing. This didn't work at all. And we adjust it until it fits you perfectly. And we sort of take you through that process for everything that you're struggling with and provide you with that structure, but also with that flexibility because it can't be this is an amazing routine and then I had a bad day and now I don't have a routine. It needs to be what I call crunchy. It needs to focus and, and be able to shift with you and with your ADHD. Uh, and yeah, I, I really like how explicit your website is too. <laughs> um, or not, I mean, just in terms of like, it's very detail oriented in terms of like what you're getting and what is um, going to happen next. And I feel like, like, I really now, I really appreciate being told in, in great detail, like what steps are happening yeah. because, you know, there's like that um, example of like having to read a recipe and like going back over and over. It doesn't matter how many times you read the five steps, you get through step one and then you have to go back and read step two. Like you can't retain yeah. all five steps. And, and, and so I feel like that happens a lot when it comes to habit forming, right? Where you're sort of uh -huh. like, you pinpoint these ideas and we can't like hold on to those strategies for very yeah. long. And so, uh -huh. you know, I've read Atomic Habits, like I've tried, you know, I feel like I've, I've have made it my life's goal to figure out how to bring new productive habits into my life. And I just lose them so quickly. Like they just, I feel yeah. like, um, we are such sieves. <laughs> <laughs> so many yes. of this stuff yeah really, so yeah no definitely and that's yeah. why it can be so good coming back week to week I always say to people with ADHD when I'm doing group coaching or individual coaching there's a there's an experimentation phase and then there's a, 
a troubleshooting phase. So we're not just going to give you a, a thing and say, here's your new routine, congratulations, good luck, and leave you. You know, it, it's it's about going, here's what might work, experiment with it, you know, break some break some things, like tell me what didn't work, and then next week we come and we troubleshoot that, and, and that's a good thing. And part of it as well is because we all have ADHD. So all the coaches have ADHD as well. So we get it, and, it, and a lot of it can also be about sort of being, okay, I can't brush my teeth in the morning. I forget all the time. <laughs> you know, that's sometimes something that we hear from clients, for example, and, and saying that's totally fine. That can be difficult to remember. That can be difficult to have the dopamine for at certain times of the day. And so it also has that feeling of like, we understand what it's like to have ADHD on like a personal level, if that makes sense. Oh Yeah. I'd like to take a moment to thank BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast. If you're a regular listener of this podcast, you know I am a big proponent of therapy. Therapy provides me the best opportunity for verbal processing, something that is so important for my kind of brain and my sense of self. What I love about BetterHelp is that it's not a crisis line, it's not self-help, it is professional therapy that's done securely online from the comfort of your home. They assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist, and it's available for clients worldwide, so you get access to a broad range of expertise that might not be available to you locally. It also tends to be more affordable than traditional offline therapy, and financial aid is available. If you visit their website and read their testimonials, there are actually quite a few reviews that specifically reference help with ADHD. As a special offer for listeners of the Women and ADHD podcast, you'll get 10% off your first month. Simply sign up at betterhelp.com slash women ADHD. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash women ADHD. And there's a link in the show notes. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. How did you find the other two coaches? Yeah, it was really good. I put out um, an advert, I think on, on maybe on Facebook. I put it on more official channels as well, but it was hard to sort of say, you know, ideally someone with ADHD who has experience in these areas. So I ended up um, hiring two really amazing um, coaches. One of them is from the US and she has a degree in sociology and she's worked um, in sort of community health, social work, that area. And then another one's from Australia and she has a, actually got a therapy degree as well. And, um, and so she um, has a lot of experience working with people as well as ADHD. So what I put, did was I sort of put them through a two month training process in our system specifically, um, going through all the different um, research and different areas that we tend to work on, our getting a focus routine, that kind of thing. And then from there, um, they worked with trainee coaches who said, yep, these people are amazing. And that's how they ended up with us. Cool. And do you, um, is your doctorate, in, are you studying ADHD for your doctorate or what's your specialty? No, my doctorate isn't in ADHD. Often people assume it is, but because I actually got diagnosed once I'd already chosen my field, unfortunately, I wasn't able to do my doctorate in ADHD. So my doctorate's in um, how parents experience economic satisfaction. So it's sort of still in that social space of, of parenting. And, and um, yeah, that's kind of what I'm focusing on for my doctorate. Hmm. Interesting. And it's keeping your dopamine or, or are you, it's keeping your interest? Um, it's It's definitely a struggle sometimes, <laughs> but I use a lot of the systems that I learned that, that I teach as well. So I, I, sometimes I'll come back from a coaching session and I'll be like, 
yeah, I need to, I need to re-implement that uh, <laughs> in my own life. <laughs> uh, yes. Well, as a coach, we definitely do that. Uh, I definitely do that a lot where I'm like, note to self, follow own advice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. So now what would you say you love most about your own ADHD? Um, I think the thing I'd love, I love most about my ADHD is probably my um, creative problem solving. So the fact that, you know, I've been in a lot of not sticky situations, but just tricky things, you know, there's COVID, there's a pandemic, what do I do? There's a problem with my research. You know, sometimes it's hard to really understand it or it's hard to get a grip on what's going on or a client has a really tricky problem where they are struggling with like working memory, but they work in an environment that's particularly difficult to, to get any strategies in place, that kind of thing. So I really appreciate having, you know, that ability to kind of think outside the box that we do have to be able to go, actually, no, I do have an answer to that. And if I don't, my partner has ADHD as well. So I'll talk to him about my research and that kind of thing. And he'll be like, oh, you could try this. So I really appreciate that ability to think outside the box because it becomes so important, um, you know, with what I do. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, was your partner diagnosed as a child or in adulthood? Um, adulthood, yeah, with AD, with ADD, not ADHD, yeah. Oh, okay, but they're basically the same thing, right? I mean, um, yeah. So it's um, it's more of a distractibility, whereas I would have more of the sort of driven by a motor sort of um, expressive version of ADHD. Gotcha. And yeah. is looking now since your diagnosis, do you look back at your own relatives, your family, and wonder who else has it and you point yeah. to secretly point to be like you yes you definitely yep uh-huh yeah no there's definitely a lot of family stories that you look back on and you go like oh yeah no that tracks that makes sense it's, it's coming down this line of the family but you know you don't you don't announce it or at least um you do sometimes but like people don't take it very well so so yeah I definitely have had that thought, but no one, no one in my family has officially been diagnosed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When did you come out to your parents? Yes. (laughs) Were they surprised or what was their reaction? Um, yeah, not surprised. I think, um, more confused about how ADHD, like, how can you have ADHD? We don't have it. (laughs) You're sort of like, <laughs> I think there's a thing that comes along where it's just like, oh, this is just what our family is like, if that makes sense. It's like a family trait. Um, and then when you look at it, you're like, oh, that family trait might be ADHD. <laughs> yeah, I explain it to my children like being left-handed, you know, as yeah. very similar to that sort of neurotype where I'm like, imagine, you know, what it must have been like to be left-handed and there were no scissors or the desks yes. didn't work or people kept giving you things in your right hand and being like, you know, wondering why you couldn't write properly. Exactly. Uh, that's how that's I try great. to explain it to my kids. But then I also know that there is another element to ADHD of sort of you know, it's one thing to be, have this genetic kind of neurotype, but then another mm-hmm. thing in terms of how the symptoms manifest based on yes. what traumas you've had in your life, you know, and mm-hmm. what has sort of led you in adulthood to having, like you said, like we talked about, like feeling like you have this house of cards and then what mm-hmm. other outside environmental elements have brought you to where you are today in terms yeah. of your ADHD and that's so that's where we're all just like all over the map in terms of how yeah. we've how we've dealt with it and it's been interesting because I've 
I feel like there has been like sort of a subset of women that I've interviewed who were diagnosed with a learning disability as children, like dyslexia or dysgraphia, where they received Uh a lot of accommodations. Mm-hmm. And so they actually had a much better academic experience than some of us like myself, who uh-huh. basically were like, I got D's or A's, uh-huh. you know, based uh-huh. on whether yeah. a, a, a topic interests me and nobody thought maybe I had a learning disorder. They were just sort of like, well, you need to be more consistent and all of these things that yeah. they say to me. Um, but I kind of like gave up on academics as a result, because I figured okay. I, well, I'm just stupid and lazy. Um, so it's been interesting to kind of think, you know, to talk to various um, women in terms of like, what were way, even if we weren't diagnosed, what mm-hmm. were some of the accommodations that came into our lives at different times? Yeah, no, I think that's a really great and interesting thing to chat about. I, I was just thinking through accommodations. I don't necessarily think I had any, but I think what happened was because my parents were neurodiverse, if that makes sense, even if, I mean, no one's diagnosed yet, so <laughs> potentially, but they definitely understood how I worked more, if that makes sense. So I feel yeah. like I got support around, like, this is a problem, this is how you solve it, this is kind of executive functioning, and also, you know, just help, a lot of extra help, I think, when I was younger, just in general, um, that definitely sort of set me on the path of being, you know, doing more academics and and actually enjoying it. But like I said, again, in that very, like, everyone works weekends, right? Like, (laughs) surely, like, everyone's doing this and they're all just saying they're not because that's, that's my experience. It's like a lot of, a lot of things going on under the surface, which I think is very common um, with people who are, who are doing academics or doing um, lots of study with ADHD is that like, you know, the duck on the water and then under the surface, you've got the, the feet going. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I know. I was trying to explain to somebody about like, even just copy editing, right? Like how, you know, I would have to read an article maybe like five times because I have to read it once for grammar and then I have to read it a second time for spelling and and uh-huh. then another time for factual, you know, checking. <laughs> and so I was like, I couldn't do everything all at once. I had to like choose what I was reading for each time. Yeah. And yeah. again, it was sort of like, so one, you know, a, a neurotypical copy editor might just read it once, whereas I have to go back and read it over and over and over again for the same result. Yeah. So yeah, the duck metaphor yeah. is great. Um, and then also like, I was thinking about, uh, highlighting chapters when I was in university, you know, where it was like, I couldn't, prioritize what was important information and what wasn't important information Mm -hmm. when I was reading a chapter. So I would start highlighting and I would just highlight the entire page and then all the pages were highlighted. And I'm like, well, what am I going to do with this? No, that's so true. And I think in some ways, because I started with psychology in university, that really, really helped because psychology, what they started was teaching you how to learn like how to Mm. remember a lot of neuroscience and I'd studied neuroscience right into postgraduate study um, because it was really interesting learning about the brain. I don't know why. (laughs) And, um, and so learning about how we memorize and how we learn, even if it wasn't specifically focused on ADHD, I definitely took a lot from that. And and that helped me as I, as I went on as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. 
Now, the the term ADHD is so problematic for so many of us, um, especially the hyperactivity part or the deficit part or the disorder part. I mean, where do you even start with that? (laughs) I find that acronym can be really, so I find, you know, there's just so many problematic elements to it. So I I like to ask my guests if there was, if you could rename ADHD to something else, would you call it something else? Yeah, I I thought about this question actually. And I think it's, I think I, I, I wouldn't be able to answer for other people because like I said, it's very different for everybody. I think we all have our own term, but for me, at least, my experience has been like, what's next? <laughs> That's what I would call it. Oh, like that, I love- <laughs> what's next? <laughs> because that, that experience of being driven by a motor is very much my, you know, like, oh, great, I'm studying. What's next? Well, what are we adding to this? What's coming up? Like, you know, we're, we're doing a, you know, coaching. Can we add more people? Like, you know, there's a lot of like that drive that I think until I found entrepreneurship was kind of, didn't really have a place to go, if that makes sense. So, so I definitely appreciate it now, but yeah, definitely that's how I would describe it for myself. Yeah, no, I love that. That just sort of chomping at the bit mentality too. Yeah. Like, and, and, you know, that was a connection I never really made in terms of the hyperactivity element, you know, which was like, I never thought that I was physically hyperactive, but when you talk about like the impulsivity and the need to uh-huh. keep moving and, and, uh-huh. um, uh-huh. all of the, um, that compulsion element of, yeah. of hyperactivity. I don't think I've interviewed anyone who hadn't, didn't have that to some degree. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I like what, what's next. That's a good one. I haven't heard anything like that before. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I think, um, it's also good because it, now I know that that's what's happening and it's not just like, well, this just wasn't my dream career. So I guess we're going over here now, you know, constantly and thinking like, why am I doing this? Um, it's also good to know because of burnout because that's kind of the other side of it. It's like I what's next, at least in the past, what's next my way to just completely <laughs> not having the energy to do anything now. Yeah. Or just also, I, I like to think of it as like recharging, you know, those moments mm-hmm. in my life where I used to think, oh, why are you so lazy? Why can't you get off the couch? What are you, you know, what is wrong with you? Uh-huh. Now I realize that, you know, I need a lot of time to recharge because I've just spent 12 hours hyper-focusing on something, you know, and yeah. I never would acknowledge that connection yeah. between, you know, the hyper-manic energy that I would put into things and then I would need to, I would need to recharge. And, and instead I would think, why can't I have that hypermanic energy all the time? What is wrong yeah. with me that I need to lie down now? So yeah, that reframing is so, so important. Definitely. I want to take a minute to let you know about the new Women and ADHD online community. One thing I hear time and time again from listeners of this podcast is, wow, these interviews make me feel so much less alone. And I totally agree. I believe finding our people and sharing our lived experiences is such an integral part of successfully managing our ADHD. So I've put together this online community for listeners of the podcast where we can come together in a safe, intimate environment and make friends and obsessively ponder our neurodivergent brains with other brilliant like-minded women. And we never have to apologize for simply being ourselves. With your membership, you also have access to all sorts of exclusive content like early access to this podcast, written transcripts of the episodes, and a free copy of my audiobook, Worth It, A Journey to Food and Body Freedom. 
You also have the option to upgrade at any time in order to participate in regular body doubling sessions and live member hangouts on Zoom with me and other members where we discuss life with our ADHD brains. So head over to womenandadhd.com to join us or find the link in the show notes. All right. I hope to see you there soon. So even though you are based in, you're based in Auckland, right? Uh Uh, But you guys, you coach anyone in any time zone and it's all online, which is awesome. I love your, like I said, I love your website and I love your Instagram content is just fantastic and really helpful for, um, I, I I really highly recommend anyone go follow you. I'll definitely put it in the show notes, Uh, but where can people find you and, and how can people work with you and the other, and the other coaches? Yeah. So you can find everything on us at unconventionalorganization.com. And we have Z and S now. So both (laughs) whether you spell it with a Z or you spell, you know, organization with an S um, it's unconventionalorganization.com. And we have the, um, we have the articles. So um, I commit to um, weekly pretty much most of the time, um, writing an article that has some specific area. So, um, you know, how does ADHD affect your career or fidget toys that you might want to use in the workplace, some of the research and some of the strategies, and that's kind of what we provide. And then we also have the um, coaching, so the one-on-one coaching, and you can always click and, um, and book a 20-minute consultation to chat with me about um, the coaching that's available and what we provide there. It's all set up in people's time zones because – again ADHD so you don't have to email you don't have to do anything you just turn up and we have a conversation right but you do offer email specific coaching too right yes yeah we just we just launched that like a week ago so we offer um if you do have a specific if you have a specific ADHD question that you really want to ask you can email us and um and we'll charge you just a one-time fee not as much as individual coaching for one of our coaches to sit down and actually answer the question for you, because sometimes you need that, just that starter, if that makes sense, rather than just jumping into coaching. You just want to know, okay, what about this part of my life specifically? Oh my God. I think that is really brilliant. And I think it's a great kind of extra cost level, you know, for people who might be needing not quite as, as intensive help, but at the same time, acknowledging that this is labor. Like I get asked questions all the time. Somebody just throws a question into my DM. And I'm like, if I were to answer that question, it would take me like hours of research that I should do for yourself. (laughs) Like I get so angry sometimes because I'm like, I don't know how to respond in a way that sounds polite, but you know, in a way that's like, I'm sorry, I can't do this for you. I can't drop everything and answer this question for you. So usually I just end up ignoring it, which then it feels even worse. But yeah, like I I love that idea that, you know, um, acknowledging the fact that, that, you know, to just throw a question out there to somebody who is a professional is actually really, um, is what's the word I'm looking for? Like, it's really inconsiderate. Um, and you know, there is a lot of labor involved in those, in answering those. Yeah. Well, I can, I can definitely understand why people have questions and sometimes they feel, you know, that feeling of like, I just want to know this one thing. And I think for me personally, because I, you know, run an organization, it's not me and just me. I have coaches that I work with. I think that helps a lot as well. And that's why we did add it recently. Cause I'm very protective of their time as well. Cause mm-hmm. you know, when you're working with other people, I think when you're working with yourself, you're like, I have 10 minutes, I can do this. Like, why am 
I not going to do this? But when you're working with other people, it's much more like, no, like they have ADHD, they have lives and I value their time and making sure that it's spent the best way they can as well because we all have ADHD in the organization. I love that. Yeah, you're right. It is very, it's it's much easier to come up with boundaries when you're taking care of other people <laughs> than it is for yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, it's, I love what you guys are doing and um, I'm so glad that we connected and yeah, thank you for yeah. sharing your story. No worries. It was, it was really, really great to meet you. And there you have it. Thank you for listening. And I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Women and ADHD podcast. Also, you know, we ADHDers crave feedback and I would really appreciate hearing from you, the listener. If you're a fan of the podcast, please take a moment to leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or Audible. And if that feels like too much and I get it, then just take a few seconds right now to give me a five-star rating. Or share this episode on your own social media to help reach more women who maybe have yet to discover and lean into this gift of neurodivergency. And they may still be struggling and don't even know why. And if you'd like to find out more about me and my one-on-one coaching for women with ADHD, head over to womenandadhd.com coaching. And you can always find that link in the show notes. I'll see you next week when I interview another amazing woman who discovered that she is not lazy or crazy or broken, but she has ADHD and she is now on the path to understanding her neurodiversity and finally using this gift to her advantage. Take care till then.